episode 22 of the What's Up podcast, recorded on the 15th of February 2018. My name is Martin. I'm Ali. And I'm William. So we're going to start off today's podcast with a quick retraction from last time. And this is a retraction that I think William has to issue. Yeah, apparently I'm not Scottish enough. And I accidentally discussed the fact that we were recording it on St. Andrew's Day and people should go and eat haggis. And apparently that's Burns Night. I, the fact that my own mother is born on St Andrew's Day and I didn't notice uh, means I maybe don't qualify for Scottish anymore either. So apologies. <laughs> yeah, apologies to all Scots who were offended by that. If any were listening, we I'm made sure him. We made him eat haggis to make up for it. <laughs> it makes it like a punishment. Haggis is a wonderful thing. Yes. Should ban him from having haggis as a punishment. <laughs> okay, right. We'll get on with today's episode instead now. Now the retraction's done. So we're going to talk about things in space, which is a complete departure from what we normally talk about, right? Things in space. <laughs> what specific things in space are we going to talk about? A car. Car. Yay! Space car. Of Yay! course. Of course that has to be the thing we talk about. Do you want to do the summary? Well, is it anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about? So we felt it was unavoidable to not mention Mr. Musk and his large um, Falcon Heavy rocket, which jettisoned his very own Tesla into space this week. It was a You're shaking slice. your head. Oh no, it's just I was it's a slice of fried gold. Like you you're you're very matter of fact with your description and I was like, oh my god, it was the best thing ever. I was cheering at the TV. I was clapping at it when the two rockets came down at the same time, but I'm I'm breaking your summary, sorry. I I, th- I don't even need a summary. I mean basically the most sci-fi event of the last however many years just happened um, when two rockets landed simultaneously next to each other. I mean, that that was a phenomenal sight, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It really was pretty amazing. Um, I, I think mean, the Falcon Heavy is, what, the biggest rocket since the Saturn V? I think we're safe in saying uh, It's a fact. It's, it's twice as big as anything in service. Okay. And it's about half as powerful as a Saturn V, but that's still kind of epic because we're starting to get back into big rocket territory. Yeah. yeah. Technically speaking, you've got the shuttle, which was kind of bigger, but it also had the shuttle attached to it. And then there was the energy Earth thing, the Russian one, which only did one launch, but was pretty damn huge. But just we're going to be technically correct about it. But (laughs) the best kind of correct. It is the largest rocket currently working. That's definitely true. And okay. and a kind of sort of plus point, it was 50-50. It might have gone boom on the launch yep. pad. First time maiden flights for rockets tend to not always go well. So There was an interesting comment that I saw from, I think it was maybe Elon Musk, one of the SpaceX people, was that if it clears the launch pad before it blows up, that's a success. I to wish I could talk about some of my science like that. <laughs> <laughs> if I can write the first paragraph, everything else doesn't. If it doesn't damage the launch pad, that's a win. Because this is... Okay, parts of this have been tested before. The Falcon Heavy is essentially fal- um, three Falcon 9s strapped together. But that strapping together process, firing three of these big rockets, each of which is multiple small rockets, essentially, multiple engines, all firing simultaneously, clearing the launch pad safely, going in the right direction. Um, I guess the two blade boosters detaching successfully. The mm, central booster continuing on. Staying on target, all that, yep. Yep. Then you've got the central booster uh, detaching and launching its payload. Then you've got the whole different matter of all three of those boosters coming back and landing, two of which come back to ground and land simultaneously. And I think that was a really sci-fi bit. That was the shot from the PR video SpaceX originally released about the Falcon Heavy of the two of them just coming back and bloop, 
at the same time. It was bang on, the, the video. Because uh, when I watched the video beforehand, I was like, nah, yeah, it looks nice. Yeah, but that's sci-fi. I was like, oh no, <laughs> you yeah. did it. I got really caught up um, in the broadcast as well because they're, they're all very excited and they, they were cutting to loads of different presenters in the stream and they've, they just film it live with everybody in the background of the hangar or wherever it is they're filming and you, just the cheer that goes up because they, they have a slightly better view on all the monitors than mm -hmm. we get on the stream. And then when it came down, just the roar that went up. And I was like, oh my gosh, it happened. And then very soon after, the third, the core in the middle sort of disappeared from camera and the feed stopped. And that was arguably the biggest glitch of the mission. So you're saying the only problem was that the feed cut out for the third booster. It's not quite true. Because that third booster didn't make it back to as far as landing now, did it? Well, I wasn't sure if they'd pulled the plug deliberately or if the feed cut because a rocket just asploded <laughs> 20 feet from the shot. Because if you, if you watch the frame by frame, it gets very cloudy all of a sudden. Like, yeah. So it just went next door. And so that was interesting. Yeah. I do think it was an interesting bit of uh, media savvy spin, shall we say. That. I mean, don't, don't, phenomenal, brilliant, all went really well. But the kind of, oh, it had exceeded its orbit. For the for the payload, you know, it was meant to be going into an orbit. We haven't got to what the payload was, um, but it, it was. It went wrong. It, you don't you don't exceed. You, yeah. you misfire. You know, you fired the rockets for too long, which is part of the reason I think it ran out of fuel and therefore they weren't able to land the third stage was because yeah. the the burn of the third engine had gone on too long, used up too much fuel, and therefore they had to ditch it into the water. But actually, that was an error. I mean, okay, amongst all the things, yeah, but I'm just I just think they're so. So just even using that term, it exceeded its orbit. Like that's a brilliant way of saying it went wrong. And I mean, to some degree, although I met the the third booster not making it back is a failure. They never, you know, the goal here wasn't necessarily to make everything go perfectly. And to say that I it, think it was well, it was the goal, <laughs> but there was no requirement on that. No, and they never, you know, the orbit they stuck it into. It was an arbitrary orbit at the end of the day, because. There's no scientific payload here. There's nothing that you're trying to put in a specific location. So the requirements for what orbit you're going into are extremely uh, ill-defined. Therefore, it's not a failure so much as it is a change yeah. to the plan at the last minute. I, I, I think... <laughs> I've had to talk myself out of problems at work a few times. <laughs> yes. I think this is where... Well, it's kind of the area we want to go into, but the, the media savviness mm. of SpaceX is it's a different... Well, I mean, it's not to say that NASA and people aren't particularly media savvy, but it's a different beast. I think it's they're blinding. They have this. That to me was a mistake, but they've played it very well. And I know that sounds like you're picking hairs on things, but I think it's I think it's just interesting because it highlights the kind of the whole way they're designed is a different thing to yeah. to a, a normal space agency. It's yeah. a business. It's got to, it's got to have a publicity side to it. So they're a commercial enterprise. Yeah. On that note. We now live in a world where there will be above our heads a mannequin driving a sports car in space. And yeah, that will not David change Bowie. <laughs> in our lifetimes. That's always going to be Which the case. Which is pretty now. exciting. There's yeah. now a space yeah. in orbit around the sun. Um, a space? A space car in orbit around the sun. And I think this is, so we mentioned this in one of the previous podcasts that the, the payload was going to be Elon Musk's Tesla Roadster S Model S car. Because they had um, been calling it a joke payload up until yeah. then. So you don't want to put anything expensive because if your rocket's going to go boom, mm. you've just wasted a very expensive satellite. So you, you fill it with lead. <laughs> so the mass is right. And then you just launch that. And when it blows up, you don't mind. Yeah. Um, and then the car thing he added, was it on a whim? or had he not, I forget. I think it was like a joke on Twitter that then he just went, well, all right then, sure. Which is a very Elon Musk thing to do. We might get on to a bit more about that in a minute. But 
Um, yeah, I think this, this, the, the space has got a lot of flack from from NASA, from high up people in various different scientific fields for launching the car. What's everyone? I know what my feelings on this are. What are your guys' feelings on that? I kind of loved it. I, 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 I dislike that it was a car that's still in production. It would have been funnier if it was like an old Mustang or something where you could, um, you, could you could arguably say it was an antique and then it would have been a bit easier to sort of go, well, it's not too corporate. But, oh my gosh, the way they filmed it and streamed it live, and they did a little bit of David Bowie, they had a little Douglas Adams tribute on the dashboard, the We Don't Panic. Um, I was kind of like, yeah, that, that's, that's going to be a photo that gets reproduced for years to come. And the, seeing the earth reflected in the paint job was also very pretty. And it hadn't occurred to me that they could do it that well. So I think, yeah, I'm sort of, I'm a little bit torn, but I still think it was kind of awesome. I would ra- rather had it than not if it was just a piece of lead. So uh, there's a huge part of me which agrees with what Ali's saying here. But I, I suppose the other thing I'm on the other side of this argument is, which has intrigued me, is I've read a number of articles which have been moaning about the extraordinary frivolity of the whole thing, and to some degree arguing about the frivolity of space exploration at mm-hmm. all. You know, it's a it's a extremely legitimate point that that putting things in space is expensive, mm-hmm. and there are a heck of a lot of other things which we should be worrying about, um, and. The thing, thing that intrigued me is I feel like had they launched just the rocket, people would have, some people would have complained and some would have moaned a bit. But there was something about the kind of easily accessible way of kicking this story that it, it was a billionaire who put his, space car, his, his car in space, which was so... Uh, it raises such an interesting question about the craziness of the world we live in. That 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 is a that is a realistic sentence. A billionaire just put his own car in space using his own rocket. He did it with style. Using his own rocket. Oh, put a space, brilliant style. You know, put brilliant his starman astronaut. Oh, stunning. In the front seat and everything. I agree with all your points about the stunningness, but I think it it opened the door for criticism in a way which I, I'm not. Would should it have been avoided? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> in a way, I. I don't know if you'd agree with this or not, but I think it reminds everyone on planet Earth that space is for everybody. Um, it's no. not just the purview. No. Of it says space. No, it's the purview of a rich, 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 rich game. You know, no, but uh, the the fact that it didn't matter what NASA was suggesting, Elon could put what he wanted on his rocket, and you know, regardless of who thinks it's right or not, I mean, that's like asking you know people not to litter low Earth orbit with satellites that give really good broadband because it's taking up space and might make a mess of our own orbital space. And we could be doing good science. And if we, if we crowd low Earth orbit, things are going to get bad. So where do you draw that line? This isn't the first silly payload. No, in it's space. certainly not. No, the astronauts no. took silly things to the moon and left them behind. There are bits of Lego men-shaped things that was, did Cassini have one or was it New Horizons? Uh, Juno. New Horizons Juno has the ashes of a dead person on board. Does it? A little vial of ashes. Uh, of this person, Clive who? Tomba is, I believe, the person who oh, discovered the planet Neptune, or was it Pluto? Uh, well, Pluto. I, I, I think it must have been Pluto. But Pluto the, it is a piece of his ashes are on board the spacecraft. But nobody seemed to go up in arms about that. This one is, no, is just in your face. But yes, I, no, I think that's, no I think that's the issue. It's not subtle. <laughs> it's, it's making a corporate advert of SpaceX. 
of 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 a satellite launch or a mission launch, whatever you call it, a test fire, I should say. Um, and I, I mean, I'm very much on the side of what SpaceX did was fine because they had to launch something. And as I say, you would launch normally a lump of some sort of random metal to make you some sort of payload for weight. Fine. Or you could stick a car in it. I don't really get the issue. I, I think the thing is that it, it was an immediate red rag to a lot of bulls. Yeah, it's the low hanging um, fruit. Yeah. The things I find kind of intriguing is that there seemed to, to me, there seemed to be more people shouting about this is such an example of frivolous use of money when effectively a private company and to some degree an individual is putting their own stuff in space, mm-hmm. which actually surely should be more fine than, than if we as a, a nation is choosing to put things because that, that is actual public money. Mm-hmm. And, and this is something which I think we, you know, we, we grapple with, I, I personally think is something which as people who all work in the sector of astronomical research, we, we have to be very aware of being able to justify what we do. And the way we do that is you know, through mul- multiple different channels, but obviously talking about particularly where we work in a technology centre, justifying it through technological kind of spin outs. But that works for some of the things we do, but the sheer scale and cost of this this totally frivolous thing seems seems to have, I think, sort of muddied the water a little bit. And I think had it just been a purely, look, this is a really useful rocket and we can do great things with this rocket, I think fewer people would have gone, what are you doing? Look at all these things. Yeah, I, I think the... The legacy of this will be positive, even if mm-hmm. the initial feedback has been negative yeah. from some, because I took so much pleasure from that image. Yeah, but you're image. a nerd, Ali. Yeah, but I was enjoying the tea cake in space story that was last year as well. And it is silly. And why not? Because if, if you remember it more, or if you're getting kids paying attention to this stuff at a younger age because it's silly, then... I'm all for the silly. I, yeah. think, I think sometimes we we forget to have a sense of humour about just how difficult this is. And if you're going to launch a joke payload, why not do it in style? It's a very Back to the Future line. <laughs> Catching interest, interesting one, because yeah. the end of the SpaceX broadcast, uh, maybe I realise this for, for my own personal reasons, but the last thing they said was, if you're interested in jobs at SpaceX, go to spacex.careers.com. And that I think was when you went right. You've just want. You've just want. You've just launched a cool thing. You've done something that nerds across the world have got excited about. And the last thing you say is, if you want to come help us do this again, mm-hmm. here's a web address to come to to apply for a job. I'm not going to lie. I went and checked the link. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried a few times, um, but it's, I think that's quite telling. And it, and to be fair to them, it worked. Don't forget and they have very lofty ambitions as a company. This isn't about selling cars. This is about is, going is that to another planet. Um, it might have been. <laughs> um, but but you know, some their, people will... their long-term goal is, is arguably mm-hmm. still a decade too early and a little bit crazy. They want to take lots of people to Mars and do it often, and but, not just but I... once. And that's kind of impressive that they're still sticking to that sort of ethos. And this was just a, a, another step for them. It's not the end game. So look, I am unashamedly a huge fan of what they're doing. Like honestly, I, it's tremendous. But playing the devil's advocate to some degree, that lofty ambition they have is actually another distraction which people don't like. A lot of people will say, "What are we talking about? Trying to put a colony on Mars?" When look at all the things we need to worry about down on Earth first. And I know that that becomes a very um, it sounds like a boring thing to say. And 
I think the thing I find intriguing is that it's a little bit kind of Elysium style, the um the that awful film. Um the one with Jodie Foster and Yeah, what, which could have been so Matt good. Damon? But but the idea that in that in that Elysium world, um, if people haven't seen it necessarily, rich people in space, poor people not rich in space, people in space, the... living glorious lives, huge amounts of money and investment, and 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 is is there an element? Um, people are shaking their heads at me. Um, is there an element that this you know that that's what it will be? Because if it's private companies, it's going to be rich people who get to go, but then that's one of the things which is intriguing when it's a, a more democratic idea of a kind of uh, a NASA. Then anyone in theory, probably not true, but in theory, anyone would be a NASA astronaut and you get there. So I think it just very, I think it's a fascinating thing. I'm ultimately totally pro it, but I do think it has raised intriguing questions. And I feel he's heightened or sharpened those questions through sticking a shiny sports car on top of his big rocket, which is... It's, it's brilliant. It's, it's great mad. that this has got us in more, way more philosophical mode than we normally mm-hmm. are in, because you know this this does get to the heart of you know what is worth doing. It was going to the moon a waste of money, given that Elon Musk's budget is still a drop in the ocean compared to what the Apollo <laughs> program's budget was, <laughs> and he's doing it way cheaper and more efficient. He's trying to reuse everything. It's actually quite impressive. Um, but then you get into that hot water of do we want to fund X? amazing new telescope that's coming down the line, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's a totally you know, legitimate At some question. point you've got to go, yep. yep, there's problems here, but at the same time there's still work to be done and you've got to do all, everything at the same time. And it's just a question of triage. So if somebody's learning how to go to Mars and doing it well and efficiently, I'm okay with that because comparing the Falcon Heavy to Saturn V, a lot of people did this. And that's a bit dangerous because the Falcon Heavy was done on a shoestring budget with a design to be renewable, as renewable as possible, whereas the Saturn V was get to the moon fast at any cost. It was done in seven years from, you know, drawing board to launch pad. And, crazy. you know, it's, it's almost like that's what happens if you throw money at the wall. You can do things that are slightly crazy, but at the same time, you, you leave things behind. And we, we now have to sort of relearn how to do that, but just be a bit more sensible about it i think is the phrase sensible but crazy i'm gonna pull us away from <laughs> from a philosophical debate about space travel and the implications of that to a different uh payload in space which i think we're slightly more unified on our feelings about <laughs> um and this is something like william do you want to give a bit of background to this as you know what i'm talking about so this is the humanity star i think you're talking about yes, which was yes, a mission to launch a shiny ball into space um, space disco ball. A space disco ball is the way to put it. It didn't get quite as much publicity, has to be said. Um, but the idea was to, it was an artistic project to launch this thing. Um, it's about maybe half a meter across, not huge. Um, put it in orbit um, and it would be an object which is visible from all around the world um, and therefore is a kind of unifying beacon for humanity. I can hear the cynicism in my own voice as I say that. Oh, I'm um, squirming here. Go on. It's, in, it's so... in a similar orbit to the ISS, right? Something like that, yes. But so that's it's not a beacon. It's, well, it's not, it doesn't emit light, it's reflective. I but there's people on it, you know, if you're going to be taking the humanity. Oh, so, sorry, I, the ISS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think my, my biggest single issue with this story is that the goal here was to put a man-made object into orbit, which would reflect light which then anybody could see from the ground to bring humanity together as one. Lovely idea. Don't get me wrong. It's a lovely, lovely idea. <laughs> However, ISS already does that. 
iridium flares are communication satellites with what are essentially large door-sized solar panels that reflect light on a regular basis and are incredibly bright, and you can all see them. Um, there's also another thing which hangs above our heads, which I think most people on Earth will see on a regular basis, commonly called the moon. All these That's things have been definitely there not a lot made longer. by a person. <laughs> no, no, I get that, but you, you can check all these boxes by quite simple different things are already there and are arguably doing far more useful things. I've got an idea. What's the moon doing which is useful? But yes, can, okay. can we can we fly something to the moon that flashes from the surface? You know, like a really instead of just you need a, a really wee, big out laser. Beam. Well, the astronauts left cat's eye reflector things that mm-hmm. you have to have a powerful laser to bounce off of to get a few photons back. But if we could build a huge one and you could make the moon's already light pollution, so if your dark sky won't be ruined anymore if the moon's got a little winky spot on it. Um, so then that way nobody gets annoyed. I'm 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 sensing that you're just worried about the fact that. Well, a dark sky is a dwindling resource these days. I think that's an important point. One of the criticisms was the fact that this thing was potentially polluting dark skies. I think that's a pretty tenuous... I think that's really tenuous. I think it was a waste of time and effort, which I know is what we've been discussing. Plus this will decay, so it's not even going to stay in orbit, Mm. is it? It's going to be nine months or something and it'll burn up. Which isn't too bad. I'm not quite as clear, despite my apparent cynicism on this, and partially I'm arguing just the sake of it again. Um, (laughs) But... I think there's something a bit odd of, of, you know, this is an art project. They found the money. They can put it in orbit. Who are we to moan? Particularly as a, a group of scientists who, two of whom have just very strongly defended putting a car in space. Um, I feel like, why not? I'm, yeah, what, I'm kind what? of okay with it. But the the and thing that made me sad is you said the magnitude was not. It is not that bright. So the idea was that we could all go out and look at it um, and it was going to be brighter than Venus, I think, was one of the claims, um, which is about the brightest thing you can see in the sky other than the moon. Um, but unfortunately, it's quite a lot fainter than that. It's actually, I think it was peaking at about magnitude four, which is, you know, somewhere around the, probably the... Orion's Belt stars? No, fainter than that, I think. More more like kind of the little diddly stars. You, like 50 times fainter than a bright star. Yeah. yeah. So it was actually pretty easy. faint. But apparently this was the first of an idea. There's somebody else who is intending to launch something else larger, um, which will expand in space. So it's it, it's something which kind of basically like a balloon, which you put up and you you, you pump it full of air um, from a compressed air canister and it, it expands and creates a kind of very large sort of 100 foot long reflective thing. Um, I can't quite remember the name of this project. Um, but it will. Uh, it's they're trying to crowdsource the funding for it, um, and this will be something which will definitely be visible. It's a big, shiny object, big, mm. um, size of a house, you know. So, is that okay? It's entirely done as an art project. It's going to decay in orbit. It'll come back in. It's not going to leave any any waste up there. It's it's or space debris. You know, it's assuming it, it works. Assuming the deorbiting works. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's only on a CubeSat, so I think it only is, these things we talked about in the last podcast, these things only go up to, you know, they're not put into that high an orbit, no. so they automatically decay after a few months. Mm. Like, well, the, like the car, I can see why people would get annoyed at that. Yeah. But at the same time, there are bigger things to worry about, and if it's not going to be yeah. up there permanently, um, and maybe if you try and clear it with as many people whose sky you're going to be trailing through or something, then then I I kind of feel like yeah, why not? <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe I get shouted at for not being able to observe in particular directions on certain nights. But intriguing here, and it's become a, an interesting, you know, more common thing. And what happens when McDonald's say, you know, what well, actually will sponsor that balloon, and it's going to have a large golden M on it? 
An Do M we? on the moon. No, that's, yeah, there's know. a sci-fi series or book that has this. I, don't know, I, I was looking confused earlier on. There's a, there's a, a maybe Red Dwarf where the moon has a massive Coca-Cola logo, a logo like in glowing lights across it. Wow. Okay. See, I, that scares me. That's kind of, that mm. sort of corporate future yeah. thing. But Is if that it's an art project and it's for everybody and they got crowdfunded to do it, then yeah. Yeah. who am I to say they kind of go? You know? I, I, think, I, I think I'm with you. I think yeah. I'm with you. I don't know. It's just making sorry, me sit there and go, sorry, what would I, I, I love He's, not, sure. he's, he's yeah. not looking happy. That's all right. Well, <laughs> Have you seen the movie, is it Oblivion? With the giant pyramid-shaped thing, but it's huge. It's not 100 feet. It's like miles across. Um, but the movie's mostly kind of silly, but every so often there's a really pretty shot of this giant thing coming up over the horizon. So that might be in our not-too-distant futures. Well, I suppose one argument is that these things, if they were uh, publicized enough, etc., might get people looking up in the sky more. I'm all for that. Mm. That sounds good. If people say, oh, there's going to be a really bright, shiny thing up in the sky, and once you're looking... Look to your left and you'll see Orion. Conversely, oh, fine. as we segue into something else, is that you could use this as training for people who want to learn how to model light curves of things in space. Things in space. Um, because they, they've already, I, I love that Twitter had this on it, is people have already been taking light curves of Elon Musk's car, still attached to the rest of the payload adapter thing. And they have this, you know, the bouncy thing. You see the peaks in brightness. You explain what a light so curve is. Curve, yeah. So you just, um, you take successive images and you measure how bright this object is. And because Elon's car is also attached to the adapter and it's tumbling in space, you can see the peaks in the light curve and you can work out how fast it's tumbling. If you're really good, you can try and guess at what shape your thing might be. And this is really important for things like asteroids because mm-hmm. um, we can, we can, we can't resolve these things at all, but you can get really good light curves of these and you can see them changing. And uh, depending on the exact shape of the asteroid, how reflective they are versus the sunlight, uh, you can try and work out what shape they are. And it's it's quite interesting because the odds are you'd never be able to look at the light curve and say, that's a Tesla Roadster attached to a payload <laughs> bay adapter. But you might be able to say something about its rough yeah. shape if you make some assumptions. And so that kind of thing could be very interesting too. Well, it's interesting to come back to a few months ago, there was the OM. Muamua object that came mm. into our system, which was from you know external to our system, and very exciting about that. And they were saying that that was a cigar shape, and the reason they knew that was because of the, the light curve. Yes, and if you look at the light curve of that, you look at the light curve of the Tesla. Okay, they're not that similar, but there are some similarities, and it sort of adds a bit of credence to this idea of how you can tell the shape because the roadster on the fairing is more <coughs> elliptical or more cigar shaped than it is spherical. Or potato shaped like most asteroids, mm. so well, I can sort of see how their similarities are there, and it adds credence to that idea. So, are you saying that Oumuamua was actually a Tesla <laughs> from another solar system? Well, I think that's <laughs> no. The horrible Aww. thing about Oumuamua is nobody's really sure, and we never will be because that's the data that we've got, and now it's too faint to see. Um, but you have to make some assumptions. You kind of assume that its surface brightness doesn't change. Mm-hmm. And that gives you the long axis ratio. But if it was reflective on one side and dark on the other, like then you could create weird. Well, at least with the Tesla light curve, you know exactly what shape it yeah. was. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can test your own ideas with known objects. And there must be people that do this for mm-hmm. other known space debris that's up above us already. But it's, it's interesting that just from that little point of light, you can do an awful lot of science with it as well. But I should also, I have another caveat. 
from last month is I should point out that Russell Eberst, who's a local legend here, literally your phone a friend person for astronomical Wikipedia type trivia knowledge. Um, we were talking about the possibility of seeing an asteroid in advance before it hits the Earth's atmosphere. So, so getting like a shooting getting star. Getting a position to wait for it. Yes. And I, I gainfully predicted this would happen in the next 20 years. And Russell pointed out that this had already been seen in 2008. Somebody had flagged one before it hit the atmosphere about a day in advance. And it was just a four meter rock. So you can't really get a light curve for this because it's all happening too fast. Um, but as these rocks get bigger and we get better at seeing them further away, um, we might still see something a bit more impressive. I, I want months in advance so I can plan my... Get in position with a big net to catch it. Yeah, I'll, I'll just settle for a photo opportunity. You know, if they tell me which desert is going to come in over, I'll go and set up my wee tent and get ready. <laughs> so Hang on, you made me apologise for getting the wrong day and you... You got all of that wrong. And I, I just thought you'd sneak well, it in there quietly. Fair, my Outrageous. prediction was not wrong. Just a retrospective prediction. Well, that kind of, the four meter ones are so small that you only do see them just before they smack into you. Um, but yeah, something that was maybe 50 meters across with a few years notice, that would be way more exciting because I'd love to see how how crazy the press went with a story like that, even if they knew it wasn't going to damage anything on the ground and is most likely to um, come in over the ocean or the... Uh, a landmass somewhere, it's still going to be very interesting. Something, when that happens. something that gives us enough time to get, um, you know, a, a, team of, a team of miners together to go out in a special shuttle to, to save us from the big rock. That's what you're thinking, yeah. Doing it, please, my eyes. <laughs> I can't get that sing up on speed <laughs> Just coming back to the um, light curve and the Tesla, I'm, I'm intrigued that suddenly. Just, just uh, drag us back to reality. Yeah, sorry. I, <laughs> off the tangent. The idea of the fact that you can measure the light curve and use it almost as a test for how we go about measuring light curves. I love the fact that in my head that has totally changed my view of it. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a, there's a good reason. It's scientific. You can, you can get some measurement months. You can get training out of that. You can calibrate your data sets for asteroids. It's like, now it all's absolutely fine, which I think is kind of coming back to what I was saying about the art thing as well. It's like, to me, I'm like, oh, there's science involved. That's fine. Mm. Um, I can see how that might be a slightly uh, personal bias, um, just a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and I wonder how people who are not of a scientific persuasion, you know, they might have, understandably, might have the complete opposite for it. It's like you're putting something up in space to do science. What a waste of money. You're putting something up in space for artistic reasons. You might say, well, yeah, I'm right. That's a good thing. I'm getting laughed at. On, on the risk of opening us up. No, no, I'm not laughing. I'm laughing. I was going to say was on the risk of opening us up to some of the darker corners of the internet here, there is a comment section uh, on our blogger page <laughs> where this can be discussed if you want to. Please keep the comments polite and uh, I will be, I'll be vetting them if I have to. Um, but this is an interesting because, yeah, we are three very biased people. Yes. Um, and it'd be interesting to see what other people outside of that would say about a lot of these stories. However, I fear that our audience may be biased as well. I'm not judging you all, but... Why are you listening but to I us am. if you don't like science? <laughs> I, um, I, I would like to make a suggestion for Elon or the, the RE people is that maybe before they tell us what shape it is, they should launch oh, it and let us try and figure that out first as a wee, just as a wee game. Uh, and then they could say, nope, you're wrong. It was three Teslas in a row or something and <laughs> see how good we could get at solving oh, these that's, puzzles. That's science. That's, that's good. That's, yeah, yeah there's like, we're just upping the game here. I think that's the, that'll keep everybody happy. <laughs> A, 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 a space-based game of guess who? I think you'll find I launched a dodecahedron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Okay, well, I think suggesting board games to play in space is probably a good place to bring this to an end. <laughs> so thank you very much for listening. Thanks all. Bye. Bye.